All right. Well, happy weekend, everybody. It is good to be with you. It is Christmas time. I don't know if you noticed that yet, but uh, you know, it's starting to look a little bit more like Christmas. And I hope that you are excited. I hope that you're getting engaged. And ultimately, this this week uh, or this last few weeks, we've been talking about a season of celebration. And I know that it is tempting to look at this season, this holiday season, and you know, and, and kind of uh, say, you know, it's, it's kind of a wash this year. You know, we don't get to have all the festivities and the, the, the parties and, and the getting together, you know. And I know that there can be a temptation to kind of fall into a, a bit of a slump. But I want to encourage you not to do that. I want to challenge you to steer clear of going into a holiday, uh, holiday slump and say to yourself, you know, this is a season of celebration. That though it may be different and, and though it may not be filled with all the, the parties and the festivities, it can still be very special. It can still be very memorable and it can be very spiritual. How do I know this? Well, you know what? God's Word actually is what uh, helps us to focus in and be reminded of the season or the reason that we celebrate. You know, when you, when, when you focus in on the story of Jesus, Jesus' birth, it helps us to be reminded, like, we have a reason to celebrate. It's not all just the, uh, the party favors and the, and the eating and the, all the hoopla that goes around with it. Those things are great from culture and from our experience, but we can still have a reason to celebrate. To celebrate. You know why? Because Jesus still was born. He's, the, the Messiah has still come. So I wanted to share uh, this with you, and that's really what this season has been about, that we don't uh, look for this season to fill us, but instead we look for the reason uh, to celebrate, to fill us, and then we can then uh, in turn, we can we can share and give, and we can celebrate with any way that we can with uh, people around us, or in our homes, or engaging via uh, technology, etc. And I wanted to remind us that one of the best ways that we can engage in a season of celebration is to be a giver. Yeah, to bring a gift. That's one of the best things that we can do to actually avoid a holiday slump and to 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 make this a season of celebration is to bring a gift to be a giver in this time. I want to share this story or where this came from. It, it came from uh, a few guys. Well, we always like to say three, but uh, you know, if you say three, it might throw people into a little bit of a tiffy going, now, Pastor, we don't know how many people there were, but they were actually called Magi. We don't know how many that, that, that were there, probably even more than three. Uh, but they were these guys that were from the East, and they were, you know, the ones that were uh, kind of the sharp guys, the smart guys, of, of a region, and uh, you know, there's some astrologers and whatnot, and some of these uh, wise guys noticed that there was a star that was out of place. They said, the star is not from here. Where'd this thing come from? And then they got together with some of their other, you know, uh, smart friends, and they said, you know, this, this, this star isn't from here, and they did some research, and somehow they were able to connect this out of place star uh, with a prophecy, and basically saying this prophecy, saying that the king of the Jews, the Messiah, would come, and somehow this star was uh, evidence. And so these guys put their heads together, and they, they decided that. And so they went, uh, they went west. They went to follow this star, and uh, you know they, they connected with Herod, and they said, hey, where is the Messiah? We see uh, this, this uh, sign, this star being here. And you know, so it kind of caused a kerfuffle with Herod, causing him to be all insecure that his throne was going to be, you know, taken from him or his position was going to be taken from him. And so then these wise men, they, they continued to follow the star until they came to Bethlehem, and that's where the star rested. And once they found the star, they found 
Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. And how did they respond? Once they got there, what did they do? Well, they did three things. They did three things. These wise people from the East, these astrologers, these smart men, these people that knew uh, the law, knew God's word. They did three things. The first thing they did was they bowed. The second thing they did was they worshiped. And the third thing they did was they bought gifts. Yeah, that's what it says, that these wise people bought gifts. Let me share the scripture with you. That comes out of Matthew 2, verse 11. It says, And they came, talking about the, the Magi, into the house and saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. Opening their treasures, they offered it unto him, gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. They, they, they brought what was uh, what they saw as treasures that was uh, um, gifts for a king, and gifts for royalty, and they bowed, they worshiped, and they brought gifts. You know, it really tells us that these guys, that's why we kind of, we call them wise men, because they're able to, to figure this out. They're able to connect astrology with, with prophecy and what was happening at that time. And so that's kind of why we call them the wise men. They were, they were the people who noticed this. But what was more important or helped us to really see their wisdom was how they responded. They came, they bowed, they worshiped, and they brought gifts. And I guess what I take away from this is that, is that you know, wise people bring gifts. It's a sign of wisdom to be a gift giver. You know, this also reminds me of another story when we talk about Christmas time. You know, we often talk about, you know, Jesus. Uh, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, you talk about Jesus, the reason for the season. But then also we talk about, you know, Santa Claus, reindeer, and elves. But so a lot of times we actually miss this story. It's a very important story that's a part of our Christmas uh, tradition. Uh, it's the story of St. Nicholas. Yeah, the story of St. Nicholas. Do you know that story? Well, it, what, what happened was about around 280 A.D., you know, in the, in the place of location, what is now called Turkey, there was this couple that were, was having a hard time having a baby. And in their older years, they finally gave birth. And so they named him Nicholas. And anyway, they, the, the local bishop of the town watched this young boy grow up. And they said, you know, he really has a good heart, this boy. And he's not really into the, the ways of the world and, and getting wealth, but he had a real good spirit and spiritual nature about him. And so the bishop of the town told his parents, you know, he should probably come in and be an understudy and I'll kind of uh, help, you know, help him to learn the, the things of the ministry. And by the way, this bishop happened to be his uncle, so the parents entrusted him. And it was really just, uh, it was a way of just um, uh, being, uh, I guess, encouraged, or it was a, 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 an affirmation to the parents that this this boy was as, was really wise in the ways of the Lord at a young age. So the bishop trained him up, and eventually the bishop left and left him in charge to become the bishop of that town. Well, the story goes on, and it, the sad part of the story is that the plague had gone through, and, and Nicholas's parents died from the plague. Well, it just, it broke his heart. His parents were everything to him, and he went through this kind of like the spiritual, spiritual re re renewing process, and you know, trying to discover, you know, what, what his future was like, how he was going to, you know, uh, go, go through life without his parents, and he, he finally came to the conclusion as he was searching the scriptures that the Bible told him, Jesus said, to sell your possessions and give to the poor. And so that is what he decided to do. His parents had left him this inheritance. And so what he decided to do was to take his money and to just give to the poor. And But he didn't do it kind of openly. He decided to do it in secret. So he actually disguised himself. And he would, you know, as he's going along, he would drop little bags of money 
on people's uh, porches. He would uh, you know, even throw it, you know, the, the tale tells us that he would sometimes throw it through an open window or even down a chimney. So uh, that's what I think where we get some of that story or that folklore from. Um, you know, but he would do anything, bring food, he would bring clothes, he would bring money. And it became this thing where like he was done in secret. Nobody knew who was doing it until finally somebody chased him down to find out. And they found out that it was Nicholas. And, uh, you know, well, he told him, hey, don't tell anybody. He was kind of a little bit, uh, you know, embarrassed about it. Didn't want people to know. But story got out anyway. And what ended up happening was other towns, other villages started to do this as well. They started to just give gifts, a lot of them, a lot of them to children and, and things like that. And in, in, up to the point where it just kind of spread across the land. And it became a very common thing to do around December 25th to go out and to give gifts to people in the community. Well, when Nicholas died, they ended up making him a saint, thus the name Saint Nicholas. You know, that's where we get this story from, and, and, and a, a big part of our Christmas celebration from this story of Saint Nicholas. You're probably wondering how I knew all that. It's because I watched Veggie Tales with my kids, so that's why. But I think that this actually uh, is, is a good um, way of us being able to see, or a good illustration of somebody who was very wise, became very mature. And what did they do uh, with not only their maturity, their wisdom in the Lord, but also their resources? They became a giver, a giver of, uh, to, to people meeting needs in the community. So I think that we can really take away this story of the Magi, wise men, and the story of St. Nicholas, and we can conclude that, you know what? It does take some, mat some maturity, some spiritual maturity, and some wisdom to be a gift giver. And I think that's what God wants of us too, to become, to become wise, to become mature, to become, you know, uh, gift givers. You know, I think of my daughter, you know, she uh, is, is learning how to be a gift giver. She's three years old, you know, she's learning how to be a gift giver and she enjoys sometimes giving things away. But let me tell you something, she didn't really need to learn how to be a wanter. Did you know that? Like when I take her to the store the other day, we're running an errand and she says, daddy, that's my favorite. Daddy, I want this. Daddy, buy it for me. And she said that about uh, uh, of that about like 10, 15 different things in the store. Like, Daddy, that's my favorite. I want this. You buy it for me. She, you know, it was almost like her being a wanter uh, and needing of things and things and the things she, she would want. You know, it, it's almost like that, which is kind of uh, it was innate. And I think that's true of all of us. We all, all of us just have that and eight uh, thing inside of each one of us, our human nature, to, to want things, to desire things, to, to, to ask for things, you know? But it takes some maturity, it takes some growth, it takes some spiritual development, it takes some wisdom to actually go from where we were in our childlike behavior to become mature, to become wise, and to become gift givers and good gift givers. So we have to remember that wise people bring gifts. And then number two, we have to also have to remember that it is more blessed, more blessed to give than it is to receive. Acts 20, 35 says this, quoting Jesus, and everything I did, I show you uh, that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of Jesus himself, Jesus said this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You know, the word blessed, blessed is actually a, a spiritual feeling. Did you know that? You, you know, it's like you have a more full and rich experience with God when you give than when you receive. 
you know, something happens emotionally and spiritually when you give a gift, when you bring a gift to someone, or you become a, a giver. You know, when you receive something, you know, the, the thought of getting something, it does uh, impact us, right? We have an affection for that gift. We have uh, an affection for the person who brings the gift. Uh, you know, you say, oh, you thought of me. Oh, I really appreciate that. You, know, you gave me something that I can use or enjoy, or you just noticed uh, me or you thought of me. Like that just in and of itself is, is nice, and it's good for our heart, right? It's good for our souls. It's sweet. But when you give something, when you think of that person, when you, when you, when you think of that person, you think, what is something that, is, that they're going to enjoy? What is something that's going to make them smile? What is something that they're, that they're going to appreciate? Is it something they can use or is it something that they can enjoy? Is it something they can eat? Is you thinking about that person? And then you set aside the resources and, and, and to use those resources to, to get that thing. And then once you get that thing, then you do the work of packaging that thing. And, and then you, uh, then from there, you bring that thing to that person. What the Lord is saying, that that process of becoming a giver, you're, you become more blessed. It's more blessed to give than to receive. You actually have a more spiritual connection with God. You have a more of a spiritual feeling when you do the work of giving rather than just receiving. You know, I think of the, the story of the drummer boy, or the, the song, the drummer boy. It's a favorite around our house. We love uh, to sing it, uh, I think my oldest son Hudson. It's, it's like his favorites from when he was real little. And uh, you know, if you don't take time to really listen to it, you can you can miss the lyrics. But and I wanted to to uh, read those lyrics, read the lyrics, not sing them to you today. It says it says this: they Come, they told me a newborn, and this is the drummer boy speaking, a newborn king to see. Our finest gifts we bring to lay before the king, so to honor him. When we come, little baby, is what he says, I'm a poor boy too. I have no gift to bring that's fit to give our king. And he says this, shall I play for you? As he's drunk, shall I, shall I play for you? And Mary nodded. The, the ox and lamb kept time. I played my drum for him. I played my best for him. And then he smiled at me. You know, of course, there's about a million pa-rumpa-pum-pums in there, you know, so you because there's so many pa-rumpa-pum-pums, you might miss the, the lyrics of this. But I really believe this is powerful because for some of us, we feel like we're, we're, we're in such a, a place of poverty that we have nothing to give. We feel like, we're, we, 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 feel like we, we don't have the ability to, to bring gifts or to, to share a gift with somebody. And I think that that's really a, a spiritual poverty mindset because the Lord would want all of us to be in a position to be able to give to other people. Even this drummer boy, he says, I have no gift to bring that's fit for a king, but I'm drum, can I play for you? And Mary nods. You know, I think this is powerful because it reminds us that God wants all of us to be able to be givers. Now, did Jesus need these gifts? Of course, the drummer boy story isn't really a part of the Bible. This is a song that came along, but did Jesus need the frankincense and the myrrh and the gold. Not that he needed it, but we need to be givers. We need that experience. We need that spiritual connection with God being givers. That's what uh, it is when it says it's more blessed to give than, re than to receive. We experience that spiritual blessing because we are more blessed when we give than we, re than we receive. We even know the story of 
Scrooge. It was he was finally liberated at the end of the movie when he becomes a giver, doesn't he? Up until that point, he was fiscally rich, but he was spiritually and relationally poor. And then by the end of end, end of the movie, he becomes a giver, and it's like he becomes liberated. I think that's what the Lord wants for each one of us to kind of be liberated, and so that we all can become givers. Now we may not have all the money in the world, and that's okay. We may just have just something small and something simple, but still yet, the Lord wants us to experience the joy and the blessing of being a gift giver. And then number three, it's, it's greatest. Our greatest gifts and the greatest giving is actually sacrificial. Do you know that? The greatest gift giving is sacrificial. Let me tell you this story. There's a woman, uh, there was a woman who had uh, brought two pennies. Have you ever heard of this story? The woman who, who brought uh, two small copper coins. Uh, here's the here's story. Then one poor widow, this comes out of the book of Matthew, actually, I believe Matthew. Didn't write it down. I'll have to get that to you later. I believe this comes out of Matthew. And um, there's a story about a poor widow who had came in, and she came into the church, and she had two small copper coins, which amounted to a small fraction of a denarius. And then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more than all the others into the treasury. The woman, two copper coins, put more into the offering plate than all the other, all the other wealthy ones who are putting money into the offering plate. For they all contributed, talking about the others, they all contributed out of the surplus, the extra. But she, out of her poverty, has put in all she had to live on. She gave more. Why is that more? Did Jesus have some mathematical uh, issue going on? No, of course. He knew his math very well. He could count, you know, he could count fine. He was, but, but when he saw that she was giving more of something different, something of spiritual value, what this meant is that her livelihood, her heart was connected. It was a value. She gave out of all that she had. You know what this is saying is that when you give and you make it personal, when you give and it, and it even hurts a bit, when you give out of sacrifice, you're giving more. You know, when there's kind of like some blood that was that was shed a little bit, or or when something when, when it hurts, you know, to give, when someone has to go through something to, to, to get something, it just adds such value when someone has to make such sacrifice. You know, it, this reminds me of the story of David, you know, when he was um, you know, out in the the wilderness and he was with his his mighty men and he was you know kind of living in caves and that that sort of thing uh he, he had, it says um that he longed for the water he longed for the the water that was at the well of the gate of bethlehem and he's telling telling his guys his boys who's with them out you know and they're kind of just around the campfire he's like oh man how i long to have some of that water that's near uh the gate of bethlehem well three of his guys heard him say that so what they did was they decided to sneak away, and they actually snuck past the guards and snuck through, and if they had been found, they, they probably would have been imprisoned or something, and, but they, they, they snuck through, and they drew the, the, the water from, from that well that David had been talking about that was in Bethlehem near the gate, and they drew some water, and they carried it back across, snuck back through a second time, and they, they, they got back to where David was, and they said, David, we brought you some water. And we got this water, 
from the well that's near the gate of Bethlehem. And David looked at that water, and even though it was just a cup of water, he looked at that and added great value to it. Why? Because of the sacrifice, the risk that was taken for those guys to bring that water to him. And it caused such just, oh, just such an overwhelming impression of love that, that he just couldn't even drink the water. He was like, I'm not even worthy of that type of gift. I'm not worthy of that type of gift where someone would, would sacrifice so much to bring that to me. You know, I think that's what the Lord is talking about here is that when we give gifts out of just extra and gifts out of just the surplus, you know, kind of like just taking, passing hand-me-downs along, well, it, it, there's not really any heart into it. There's not really a, a connection, a personal connection. We're not really giving out of who we are, out of our, our sacrifice, but instead we're just kind of like passing stuff along, like taking a gift, repackaging it, regifting it, giving it along. There's really no connection to it. And even if it was just a drink of water, there was such a, a, a sacrifice and such a love that went with it. And I think that's what the Lord is telling us. That he doesn't want us just to give gifts out of the extra, but give gifts out of heart, uh, with intentionality, even with sacrifice. You know, he was uh, impacted, wasn't he? David was impacted by this experience. And I think that, that we can see the impact that each one of us can have when someone gives us a gift when it comes uh, from the heart, it comes out of sacrifice. All of us have had that experience before when someone gives us something special that they kind of work, worked out, slave over a little bit. So God doesn't want us just to give gifts that are easy come and easy go, but ones that come from the heart. Well, then the question becomes, well, then, you know, I understand what you're talking about. You know, when, it, when we're to give gifts, we're to give gifts to God. But in this story about, you know, the drummer boy and the wise men, that was kind of, you know, straightforward. Jesus was born and you know, he brought gifts uh, to, to Jesus. And, you know, I, I understand what you're saying about bringing uh, money to offering. And you know, I understand that. Um, but is that really kind of the full picture? Or, or is that what, what we're getting at? Was that the practical next step? And, and I think that we need to answer that question. Well, if we're to bring gifts, the question is, well, who, who should I bring gifts to? And, and how? Especially if I want these to be a reflection of my love for God, bringing gifts to, to, to Jesus. Here's, here's, I think, what will answer that question of the who and the how. Matthew 25, verse 40 says this, The king will reply... Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. What the Lord is saying is that when we give to the least of these, when we give to those in need, we are actually giving to the Lord. That's really what it says here. The least of these, the sick, uh, the imprisoned, the hungry, that's kind of, that was more the specifics of that verse. But, you know, I, I think that it could be even beyond that. I think these are examples. I think that it can be beyond just those who are sick or in prison or hungry, not just, you know, uh, uh, the, the homeless or uh, the urban poor or, or you, know, um, you know, there's different missional things that I think of, things that we as a church are really uh, are working to, to bless people, people that are caught in human trafficking. Of course, that comes to mind, and I, and I think it can definitely be those things. But I, but I think that it's you know, it also can be just somebody outside of your uh, your circle, because there also can be something called spiritual poverty or being in spiritual need. And sometimes we just need to just take a step out of our maybe our our, our church connections or our um, our, our Christian uh, uh, relationships 
and take a, sp- a step out and to be able to bring a gift or be a blessing to somebody who is in spiritual need. I don't think we have to look very far for that. Just in our neighborhood, there's probably someone that we can think of that, that, that would really appreciate, could really be blessed by us bringing a gift to them. Now, what the Bible says is that when you, when you bring a gift to the needy, spiritual needy or physically needy or you know, financially needy, when you bring a gift to them, what you're doing is you're bringing a gift to the Lord. That's what this scripture is saying to us. And so we have to think about that. Sometimes you have to take a step outside of our circle and, and, and think who is in some type of financial, physical, or even spiritual need that we can be a blessing to. You know, and not only is it for them, because it is for them, and it not only is it for God, because it is for God, but it's also for us. It's also for us to experience the blessing of being a giver. And I think, and my encouragement for this series, is that one of the greatest ways that we can choose to engage in a season of celebration and fight the temptation to fall into a slippery holiday slump. All things aren't the same. We don't have the festivities and the parties and that type of thing. I think one of the best things that we can do is choose to be a giver during this season of celebration. To determine to bring a gift, to bring gifts. It could be homemade, it could be a song, it could be something written, a card. It could, it could definitely be something of the heart. It could really make a difference in somebody, uh, someone around us. And it will be a blessing to God, and it will be a blessing to you. To one, to one, it might be a gift. To another, like I said, a song or a card or a written note. You choose. You choose. You decide who is the person who's going that you are uh, going to bless this year. And so the question is, is there anybody in your community or is anybody that you can think of that is going through a holiday slump right now? Is there anybody who kind of how are, are, are kind of going through the blues right now? And as I took some time to think about this, you know, last night I posted a picture on Facebook of you know something we do every single year. Uh, I, I lift up one of my kids to put the star on top of the tree, and this year our tree was a lot larger, you know, taller than usual. So, you know, Harlan, my uh, he's my middle son. And we, we, he was putting the, the star up there. It was real crazy. He was usually on my shoulders. This time it was on my head. And so anyway, he was wobbly. And my head was hurting. Neck was hurting. And it was kind of a funny time. But I ended up posting this on Facebook. And so I, in order to do that, right at the top of my post uh, came a friend of mine that I went to Bible college with. And he had started a church, planted a church right out of Bible college. And it was pretty successful. Uh, it became a little large church. And I was doing really well. Um, but then after a season, I guess, you know, 20 years, uh, he finally got burnt out and uh, just decided that he was going to leave his church, leave ministry, and uh, was going to, you know, go work and maybe be the captain of a boat or something like that. It's kind of an interesting uh, decision that he had made. But just kind of done with, with church and just tired and worn out. And the post that he he put on there was just really a, it was kind of a, a depiction of what the season that they're in. It's a tough season that they're in now. He got laid off from his job. His wife wasn't able to, to work right now, and Christmas is coming. And you could just see uh, he's requesting prayers, asking people to pray for him. You, know, you could just see the slump that he was going through. You know, and I was thinking about this. I thought, you know, he's somebody that's on my heart, personal, personal relationships. But I think that bringing a gift to him would be a blessing to him. I think it would just be an encouragement to him. And you know what? I think it's going to touch the heart of the Father. I think it will. And you know what? It's going to be a blessing for me and my family as we do that. 
So I want to encourage you to do the same. Is there somebody, uh, you know, of course there's wonderful people in the church you have connections with, but I'm going to encourage you to maybe to look outside, look a little further, neighborhood, other connections, other people that are going through a slump in this holiday season. You can determine, you know what, this is going to be a season of celebration. I am going to be a gift giver. Someone, somewhere, I'm going to bring a gift. So I'm going to pray for you as you think about that and as we do this together as a church community. God, I thank you that uh, you have given us such gifts, God, that we have been truly blessed. It says in your word that you love to give good gifts to your children, and each one of us are just wealthy and rich because of the gifts you have given. God, I pray that you would help us to be uh, wise and uh, become more mature in our walk with you, to not just be receivers, but to become givers, that we'd be uh, like the wise men, that we'd be like St. Nicholas, that we would see a need in our community and that we could be a blessing, that we can be a, a good gift giver to people around us, knowing that it can really uh, bring some life, it can really bring some encouragement to people around us, and knowing that it blesses your heart when you do that. And we know that you will, will bless us as we do as well. So God, we thank you. Uh, for uh, your Holy Spirit speaking to us. God, give us the, uh, the insight to know who we can bless and who we can bring a gift to during this holiday season and the season of celebration. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you, everyone. Have a great week. We'll see you soon.